If you're visiting for the first time or watching online for the first time, uh, you may recall that our kind of overarching theme for the beginning of 2023 is aim low, which, of course, seems like a strange thing. I mentioned that to our executive at meetings last week. They kind of laughed until I explained it. But um, by aim low, we simply mean that uh, oftentimes when we consider goals we have in our lives or things we feel the Lord staring in our hearts, we just feel like it's so large, so overwhelming. How can I ever really do that, kind of like when Israel was brought into the promised land. It was just miles and miles, 300,000 square miles to occupy, and they must have thought, how in the world are we going to do this? And God had told Joshua, he said, I am going to drive out the occupants so you can possess it, but you need to understand, I'm not going to drive them all out in the first year. I'm going to drive them out as you grow, because if I drive them all out now, all the areas of, of prosperity and provision will all dry up, shrivel and dry up, and wild animals will come in and occupy the land. So I'm going to let them remain until you grow in strength, you grow in number, and over time you will occupy everything. It's all there waiting for you. And there are many areas of our life where the Lord says, it's all there waiting for you. I just need you to grow. And so when we talk about aiming low, again, we're not talking about low ambition. We're still talking about aiming up. But we're, we're speaking about us being obedient to those small things that the Lord is saying, you need to take care of this. Sometimes we feel like our, our lives are kind of in a storm, kind of like the old circus tent. You know, the, the pegs have come loose and the tent starts flapping. And the Lord is saying, hey, you don't have to panic, but there's some things you got to nail down. There's some spice you got to drive back in. And we know what those things are. But again, oftentimes the enemy tries to discourage us by making us think, oh, it's just too much. And the Lord says, no, it's not. But you have to listen to me because little by little, I'll show you what to do. And as you do that, the day will come, and it may not even be that far away. You'll look back and say, wow, I can't believe how far I've come. And that's just a wonderful feeling when you see that progress in your life. But I was thinking this week, you know, the opposite is also true. Another principle that's at work in our life, in fact, Jesus made it very clear in John 10. He said, you have an adversary. His name is the devil. There are works of darkness, and they are trying to do the opposite to you. And what I mean by that is that the enemy will come and he'll work in your life little by little. He will try to find those areas where you will compromise or those areas where you'll not be too serious or you'll disobey what the Lord is saying. And what the enemy does, he'll come little by little by little and takes as much as he can until you begin to realize what's going on and then he'll stop. He doesn't move, he'll just stop. And he'll wait till you calm down and forget about him again and he'll keep going and going. He'll encroach another area and encroach another area until he is able to overtake. And then one day you wake up and think, how in the world did I get here? How did I get so far away from God? How's my relationship become what it is? How's my life become what it is? And you look back and you realize it's just day by day, decision by decision, not giving heed to the things the Lord is telling you to give heed to. And so the enemy sends to have his way or just your old flesh. Sometimes we blame the devil, but it's just our, our old lazy flesh wanting to have its own way. And so the principle works the same in both. That's why we're called as the people of God to make sure that we're never just neutral, we're never just sitting around, we're never coasting, but that we're always advancing. We're always aware of saying, Lord, what would you show me next? Where do you want to grow? What do you, where do you want to stretch me? Because as we do, he says, I will drive the enemy out. But if you don't do anything, if you just kind of coast on your laurels, if you just assume that I can embrace a Christian lifestyle and that's enough, he says, no, you're just fooling yourself. If you're not advancing, you're going backward. You're losing ground. You're losing authority. You may have a form of godliness. You may have a lifestyle that you're comfortable with, but you're not, you're not moving in the promises that I have. You're not realizing the things that I've saved you for and the gifts that I've given to you and what I want to do through your life. And so, again, either of those principles works. When we're talking about aim and low, we've looked at a couple different disciplines, really tools or grace gifts that the Lord has provided for us. There are many, but we looked at a couple, and we started off the new year talking about fasting. We've talked last week about the Word of God. This morning, I want to talk about prayer. 
And I know that can sound like, well, we've all heard about prayer. We don't need to pray. But I want you to think of this. When I talk about prayer this morning, I want you to think of the context of simply sitting with God. Okay, we talk about prayer. It's sitting with God. Okay, talking about prayer. It's what? Sitting with God. Okay, it's not this duty, it's not this ritual, it's this invitation. We're given one of the most beautiful pictures, I think, of the Old Testament, where the Scripture tells us that Moses was a man who spoke with God face to face, as one friend speaks with another. And it really was a beautiful picture of what God intended to do through Christ, the intimacy that he wanted to bring us into. And so when we talk about prayer, again, we're not talking about this duty. We're talking about this beautiful privilege, this opportunity we have simply to sit with God. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, no one can please God. Anyone who comes to God must first of all believe that he is real and also that he rewards those who truly want to find him. You see, I believe a relationship with God begins with, number one, when I recognize my need of him. I recognize that I've been given this wonderful opportunity to sit with him, to know him, to be known by him, and I take advantage of that. That's essentially what faith is. But it's also a relationship with God also requires me understanding that my Heavenly Father is absolutely eager to reveal himself to me, to sit with me, to make himself known to me. It's absolutely essential that I understand the heart of God and how much God loves me and how much he wants to be with me. He wants to be in my life. He wants to be a part of my life. You see, I'm absolutely convinced, I don't say there's any pride, but I'm absolutely convinced that the one thing that separates your faith in Jesus Christ from every other religion in the world, number one, is the fact that your God is real. And number two, your God loves you. He loves you. There is not another religion in the world where the follower can absolutely know and experience the love of their God. There's always just this sense of, I hope. I hope I'm on God's good side. I hope that when I, you know, die one day that I've done enough good works. It sounds a whole lot like Christian religion, right? That's what religion is. Anytime you shrink into that, even as a professed follower of Jesus Christ, you've, you've regressed into religion. Because you see, it's not about religion. It's not even just about relationship. We know it is, but it really is about revelation. It's just a revelation of the incredible love that God the Father has for you. And that revelation is what brings you into this beautiful relationship. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand. Well, Jesus knew that better than anybody else. And it was so evident in his life, we see, that it moved one of his disciples to ask, actually ask him, Jesus, would you show us how to pray? And again, they're not asking just for a mechanical, you know, whatever. And in fact, they may have been because they said, you know, just show us how to pray like John showed his disciples. In fact, I forgot to read the scripture this morning, didn't I? I get talking. Okay, we're going to read the scripture in just a second. But, um, but when they're asking him, how do we pray? Again, they're not talking about just the mechanics of it. But they're saying, Jesus, how, how do we get what you've got? How do we have this relaxed kind of relationship where you just commune with our God? And so this is what Jesus does. Let's go to the scripture now. It's in uh, Luke chapter 11. Read verse 1 to 13. And maybe we can read this responsibly. I'll read the first slide and you read the next one together with me. Here we go. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Let's read together. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. 
So Jesus is basically giving them some structure. Here's some things you'll want to incorporate or think about when you're talking about God. Here's how you should, should view him. But then he goes on to give this illustration. He says, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Together? And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, let's read it together. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, Jesus says all of that, a structure of some things to incorporate in prayer. Then he goes on to give this illustration as an example, but he's getting to this point. And here's what he says in verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for, for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, though you're limited as human beings in your own capacity to love, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the disciples are saying, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus answers the request again by giving this Lord's Prayer we've come to call it. And then he tells the story, but he tells the story to illustrate that God wants to answer your prayers. Now, not just in the sense of just doing what we ask. God wants to answer. He wants you to see answers to your prayers, to your conversations, so that you might understand how intimately, how closely God wants to be to you, how close he wants to live with you. And Jesus goes on to tell the story of a man who knocked on the door of a friend in the middle of the night to ask for bread. Now, we usually read this story, but we forget or we kind of miss that I believe this story is meant to be satirical. Jesus is actually kind of being facetious here. He's using a bit of humor because when he tells the story, he's basically saying, guys, can you imagine going to a friend, asking for help, and that friend saying no? Because you see, they lived in a culture, which like today in the Middle East, it is notorious for hospitality. I mean, the thought that you would refuse somebody who's your neighbor who has some need would be absolutely unthinkable. That the fact that you have nothing that you want to give them. But you see, in that story, what we read is that this man has somebody show up late at night, wasn't expecting them, right? Middle of the night, and he realized, I've got nothing to feed them. Now, a lot of us wouldn't understand this. However, if you grew up in Newfoundland, you understand this. Okay, we have a lot of Newfoundlanders here, and the reality is people will drop by your house unannounced. You will get phone calls in the middle of the night. Somebody just got off the ferry in, in, in North Sydney, Right? And they say, well, can we stay at your place at night? Now, here's the twist. You may not even know them. <laughs> All you know is that they know Uncle George, who's 12 times removed from your fifth cousin who lived next door to a neighbor 20 years ago. But there's an association there, and they realize, hey, we don't have to spend money on a hotel because I hear so-and-so lives in Moncton right off the highway. You see, in the Newfoundland culture, it is so incredibly hospitable. I mean, Newfoundland kitchen party, there's nothing like it. But they're so hospitable, really, even today's context, a lot of folks, especially around the Bay, would never think of saying no 
or turning somebody away. And it's kind of that same culture in the Middle East as Jesus shares this story. The disciples get this because it says, do you realize how absolutely ludicrous it would be for somebody to turn somebody away, a neighbor who has some need? Then Jesus goes on and he says, verse 7, suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. And again, he is using humor here. Because he's saying, guys, can you imagine how ridiculous that excuse would sound? This guy shows up in the middle of the night, and you say, hey, I can't help you because I can't unlock the door. Or I can't help you because the kids, aren't, the kids and I are sleeping. He says, that's absolutely foolish. Number one, how much work does it take to unlock a door? Right? No big deal. But the real funny picture is this. The man's in his room, right? Then you get the living room. Then you get the front door, and the guy's outside the front door. And he's saying, I can't open the door because I'll wake up the kids. Right? What has he done? He's just woken up the kids. Right? So Jesus is saying, just think of how crazy that is. And then Jesus brings the lesson home in verse 8. He says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, other Bible translations read this way. In order to avoid shame, or so his reputation won't be damaged, he will get up and give you what you need. The point is this. Your need will not be met because of your persistence. Your need will be met because of the pride, he says, of the sleeper. He knows in that culture it is his responsibility. The one who is sleeping, the neighbor knocks on the door. It is his responsibility to help out his neighbor who had a guest come by. It's absolutely expected of everybody to behave in that same kind of way. He says, because if not, you know what's going to happen? Your neighbor who needed bread, but you didn't want to go to bed, your neighbor is going to go to your next neighbor. He's going to knock on his door, and that neighbor is going to give your neighbor some bread. And your neighbor's going to say, thank you very much. And by the way, can you believe it? I just went to George's place, and he wouldn't even get out of bed. And so he's basically saying that because of the shame that would bring on this person, even if it inconveniences him, he is going to get up, and he's going to help out his neighbor. Now, you might say, what does that have to do with what Jesus is saying? I believe Jesus uses this story to help his disciples understand that if you want to know how to pray with confidence... If you want to know how you can know God, how you can walk with him, you've got to understand that if a man will get out of bed to get some bread just to save face, how much more do you think your heavenly father who loves you will be moved to meet your need? You see, it's just that simple. If he's using the culture of the day and saying, if a man would be inconvenienced and do that just out of duty, imagine how much your heavenly father who sent his son who died for you will do for you and wants to be involved in your life. Your heavenly father wants to answer you, my friends, not your prayers. He wants to answer you. He wants a relationship with you and me. He wants us to see how beautifully he can be involved in our life. He wants to be in your life, right? I mean, as earthly parents, we understand that. We're more than happy to give our children to meet whatever needs we can possibly meet, but we don't want them just to take it and walk away, right? 
We want them to enjoy their needs met, but what do we want? We want to be in, in their life. We want to be a part of their life. Back and forth relationship. Our Heavenly Father is the same. In fact, if you look up the word prayer in the dictionary or some other resource, what you usually find is the word prayer oftentimes is described by words like pleading or making petition or asking earnestly. You get that sense? Like when I was reading through the dictionary, I thought, they don't get it either. They don't really understand what prayer is because there is an earnestness, but the earnestness is not in begging. The earnestness is wanting to be with my Father. The earnestness is when I press through the temptation to, to, to take care of matters myself, when I press through the temptation to not turn to him, when I press through the temptation to be preoccupied and distracted by other things, when the whole time my Father's right there saying, come to me, come to me. That's the earnestness that I need, is to recognize that I can actually be alone with God in conversation and dialogue. That's what prayer really is all about. You see, when I'm praying, there's, there's communication, there's speaking, there's, there's discussion. And the beautiful thing about that relationship God invites me into is that there's also future discussion. You know, if Vanessa, if Vanessa and I have to process something, what do we do? We talk about it, right? But then we don't necessarily have the answer right away. We don't necessarily have everything we need to meet that need right away. So later on, we talk a bit more. We move it down the road until in this time we're able to meet that need. And our Heavenly Father is the same way. That's why we're told in Scripture that keep praying, keep asking. He's not saying keep begging, but understand all things work together for the good to those who love God. God brings things together for the good, but oftentimes it's process. I mean, just like our own children, there are needs that we can meet at the moment. Dad, can I have the keys to the car? Right? There you go. You know, if you trust them, there you go. You know, Dad, I need, five, I was saying this morning, you know, I need five bucks. Where am I thinking? <laughs> Times have changed. I need 20 bucks. You know, whatever it is, there's certain things that you can just kind of do right away. But there's also times where there's needs that your children may have. They sit down with you, and you can't just respond with that with money or writing a check or some easy answer, right? You've got to walk with them through some things. There's a process, and so you talk, and you, you, you dialogue about some things. You weigh it out, and you, and you say, hey, tomorrow we'll, we'll continue this conversation, or, or we'll do this little step right now, and then next week we'll get together again and see what the next step is. Does that make sense? That's called a relationship. That's what prayer is about. It's not just about, oh, prayer doesn't work because I tossed one up and nothing happened. No, no, you enter into a relationship. You say, Lord, let's talk about this. The Father says, let's have discussion. Let's have dialogue. Let's, let's, let's walk together in this. That's why it's called walking with God. The purpose, Jesus says, is that your heavenly Father wants to answer you. And here's proof. Romans 8.32, will you read it with me? Since he did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, won't he also surely give us everything else? That just kind of ends the debate right there. It's not a question of whether or not God will meet my need. It's not a question of whether or not God loves me or cares for me. It's a question of whether or not I will simply walk with God that I'll learn to hear his voice, that I'll learn to walk with him step by step. Now, Jesus goes on to say in our passage, Luke 11, he says this in verse 9 and 10. And again, can we read this together? He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For who? For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, most of us probably realize in the Greek language there's a particular tense that means 
Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Now, and when I say that, I know in our humanists, we think, well, it sounds like he's talking about perseverance. And for years when I read this scripture, I automatically assumed it was about perseverance. But friends, he is not talking about perseverance. He's trying to explain to us that you have a heavenly father who loves you, a heavenly father who cares about you, a heavenly father who invites you into a deep and adoring relationship with him. That is his heart for you. So he says, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Now, again, we tend to think of this in the context of just this one need that I have. I just got to keep seeking. I got to keep knocking. I got to keep asking. I just got to keep, 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 keep. Because somehow I've got to arm wrestle God. I almost got him. I got to go, oh, stink. I got to go back the next day. I got to keep going back and back. I got to arm wrestle God. No, he's not talking about a one-day thing. He's saying, I want you to experience a lifestyle where as you walk with God, you're not afraid to just keep on seeking for more. Keep on asking for more. Keep on knocking on those doors that it seems like nothing's going to open and trusting God will open doors that men can't open. Because you know what he says when you keep on asking? You keep on receiving. When you keep on seeking, you keep on finding new things. When you keep on knocking, new doors are always open to you. You see, because what do we do in our humanness? Yeah, I knocked, nothing happened. Yeah, I prayed once, nothing happened. Yeah, I tossed one up. Or we feel like, I can't go to God because I've asked him before. Anybody ever think that way before? Oh, I can't go to God again. I've blown it again. I can't, you know, and we've said it a hundred times here, right? But if you don't go to Jesus, where else are you going to go? There's nowhere else to go. And that's what the Lord wants us to understand. You need to know your father's heart. You need a revelation of how much your father loves you, how much he wants to be involved in your life, not to control your life, but to walk with you and talk with you and consult and dialogue and have conversation, work through things like with you like a loving father will do. And he wants to do that for the rest of your life, the rest of your life. So keep on knocking. And there's another issue. Don't come back and say, oh, God, it's me again. No, I'm glad you're here. Knock again. Ask again. Seek again. Who of us as parents, don't raise your hands because you might be a bad parent, but honestly, who of us as parents have not ever said to our children, listen, I don't care what you're going through. I don't care where you are. I don't care what time of night it is. I don't care who you're with. I don't care what you have done. Call me. Call me. There is nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. I might be hurt for you. I might be disappointed in a bad decision, but there is nothing. There is never a time that I will not be there. I will drive hours. I will jump on a plane. I will make whatever it may be. Do not go it alone. And Jesus said, if you as earthly mothers and fathers can love your children like that, how much do you think your heavenly father loves you? Whatever you're going through, wherever you are, wherever you may feel you are, whatever, when the enemy comes in and just like a flood of thoughts that you're unworthy, you're, you've ruined it this time, whatever the case may be, he says, listen, keep knocking. Come on back. Seek me. Come on back. Spend time with me. Come into my presence. 
That's the kind of father we have. You see, because the disciples, in a sense, they're saying to Jesus, we want that kind of relationship that you have with God the Father. So can you teach us to pray like John prayed? Now, see, John also knew God, right? And Jesus said himself, he said, there's no one like you know, John as far as great in the kingdom. So, so he had that intimate relationship as well, of course, and they saw that. Now, they would have been thinking, well, just give us the structure because they were used to prayers, written prayers, memorized prayers or psalms or whatever in their day. So maybe that's all they're expecting to get. But when Jesus starts to unpack this, he's saying to them, okay, guys, here's some basic structure. You can incorporate some thoughts of how you ought to think about God when you approach him in prayer. But guys, it's not just about that. I want you to know that you can know your father. I want you to know that you love, that he loves you, and he loves to spend time with you. Get that into your mind. That's the biggest part when it comes to prayer. You may recall Jesus' words when he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, your father knows the things you need before you ask him. I didn't mention it already, did I? That was first service. <laughs> I got away from another thing. Did I just say that? But think about that for a moment. Your father knows what it is that you need even before you ask him. Now, we read that and we think, again, in our humanness, so why bother praying? Why go through the motions to pray if he already knows? But that's to miss the point. I believe the point is simply this. Jesus says, guys, listen, when you know that your father knows what you need before you even ask him, what that means is you begin to understand that prayer is not about talking God into anything. Prayer is about communing with your heavenly father who already knows what you need, so there's no reason to stay away. Oh, I can't go to God because of what I've done. He knows. Right? Oh, I could never ask God. He knows. There's no surprise. So I believe what the Lord is kind of saying is, listen, when you come to prayer, understand prayer is not a duty. It's a dialogue. And it's such an incredible relief to know that when I come into God's presence, I can come and say, Father, I worship you, and I just thank you. You already know what's on my, well, on my heart, so let's talk about it. You know? Or what do you think? Or, you know, begin to have that conversation. Because what does the devil want to do? He, the devil wants to keep you away from your father by filling your mind with all these things that you're not or all these things you have to do before you ask him or just man-made religion again, dead works. That's all it is. Jesus says, you can blow through all that stuff because your father knows. And what's he doing? He's waiting for you. Come on. And like I said, even if you've blown it, friends, there's nowhere else to go. You're just hurting yourself by staying away. Come. If you have to confess your sin, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness so you can come with boldness again and say, Father, I know I've messed it up, but Father, your love is so great. Now, that love of God, that revelation should compel us to walk right, right? So we're not messing around with sin necessarily, but, but still, anytime, any day, wherever you are, whatever you've done, call me. Come to me. James said he is generous to everyone and will give you wisdom without criticizing you. Hebrews 11, anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real. He rewards those who truly want to find him. You see, I think very few of us actually doubt that God is real. But where I tend to struggle 
is believing that he really is who he says he is, that he is a good, good father. That's where the struggle for a lot of us is. Oh, God, I know you're real. I just don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your help. And I forget how good you are. That's really the whole point. Again, we don't have to convince him. The Bible says in Philippians 4, don't worry about everything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Sit with God. Tell God your needs. And don't forget to thank him for his answers. And, and answers, I believe, doesn't mean just immediate response. Answer means just the response itself. Because sometimes the answer isn't there, but the response will be there. And what I mean by that, the response by way of conversation or direction or, or next steps, or sometimes you don't know exactly what to do, but the Lord just gives you the sustaining grace. You're like, hey, don't move. Just, let's just sit on this. Let's, let's wait on this. Or sometimes he'll give you, like we said earlier, a small next step to take. Verse 7, if you do this rather than worry, pray, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts what? Quiet and at rest. Isn't that what we really need to function in life to the full? We just need a heart that's quiet, that's centered, that's at rest. And he says, this happens as you trust in Christ. And then he finishes the story by asking this in verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If a human father always gives appropriate gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give appropriate gifts to you? And yet, that's not exactly what Jesus says here. I want to wrap up with this, but I want us to catch it. You see, Luke wrote the gospel many years after Jesus died and rose from the dead, many years after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. So I believe what Jesus is saying is this, and listen closely. If God the Father loves you enough that he gave you his son, Jesus, and he gave you the precious gift of God the Holy Spirit to come live within you, there is not anything he will not give you. Do you get that? He's given you everything. Jesus said, I will come and live with you. I will send the Spirit to live in you. My Father and I will come and make our home in you. What's he saying? There's nothing we won't give you. There's nothing we won't do for you. And it doesn't mean he's going to give you things that he knows will hurt you. It doesn't mean he's going to necessarily give you everything right away because oftentimes he's working at things behind the scenes to make sure things work together for your good. You trust in Christ Jesus, and it does work together for good. But you've got to understand, why do we pray? Because unlike any other religion in the world, my God is real, and my God loves me. That's why I pray. That's why I sit with God. That's why my soul dries up when I don't spend time with him. Seek and you will find. Ask, it'll be given to you. Knock, it'll be open to you. So keep seeking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. I remember a story came to my mind in the first service. I think I shared it years ago here. But a pastor shared it many, many years ago. And one night he got a phone call from a young lady in his church. Didn't know the father, but the young lady said, Pastor, I know you don't know dad, but he's moved in with us. He's advanced in years. He's kind of a religious man, you know, kind of a churchgoer, doesn't really know God well, but he realized he doesn't have many days left, and he just 
wants to somehow feel God's touch or somehow communicate with the Lord is to come visit him. And so the pastor went over the next day, and the, the man was in his bed. He really couldn't get out of bed. He was laying there, and, and the man just said, Pastor, he said, I just, I just have fear in my heart. I just feel like I can't talk to God. There's a wall there. I don't know what to do. And the pastor said, sir, he said, well, one of the things I do sometimes, and he pulled up a chair by the bed, and he sat in the chair by the bed, speaking to the man. He said, what I do sometimes is I'll just pull up a chair across from me, and I'll imagine that Jesus is sitting there, and I'll just talk to him. That's all. Just have a conversation. And over time, I just feel like I can hear the Spirit speaking to me. We'll have this conversation. I just, it just, I'm just reminding myself how real he is. He's right here. And so he prayed with the man and went on his way, and the man seemed to be encouraged. It was a few days later that he passed away. And the daughter calls the pastor. She says, Pastor, I'll just let you know, Dad slipped away in the middle of the night. We found him this morning. We got up, and, and he was dead. I said, Pastor, I, we kind of found something that seems strange. I don't know if you'd understand what this means. It just seems strange. But, but remember that, bed, that chair that you were sitting on when you were talking to him? He said, when we found Dad this morning, he was actually leaning out of his bed with his head resting on the chair. Isn't that beautiful? What was he doing? He was speaking to Jesus. And I believe Jesus was so real to him that his life was slipping away, he just reached over and laid his head upon the Lord's lap and just slipped into eternity. But friends, that's the simplicity. We talk about prayer. We talk about aiming low. What are the small things... We need to make sure that we're nailing down so that we're actually moving into what God has for us. The Word of God is absolutely essential. We also have to be a people who know what it's like just to sit with God, just to sit with Jesus and talk to Him and hear Him. We're going to talk more about next week about how we hear God and talk about that. But I want to encourage you this morning as we just close with a song and just take a moment in His presence. If, if you just feel like, you know, I've always wrestled with prayer, I want to encourage you to return to the simplicity of just the revelation that I'm meeting with a God who loves me. There's no expectation. There's no criteria. He doesn't criticize me. He says, I just want to spend time with you. Come on, I'll teach you how to pray. I'll teach you how to, how to know me more and more, and you'll look forward to our times together. Just stand with me this morning as the worship team closes with a song and ask the ministry team to come. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I hope you've sensed this morning that he is not a religion. But he does want to reveal himself to you for how real he is and how much he loves you and how he wants to have a relationship with you to begin to show you how life is meant to work and what it really means to walk with God and to know him. And so if your heart's desire is to open your heart to Jesus this morning, to know him, I invite you to come. We'd love to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus this morning. He'll make himself real to you. If you're a believer this morning, you just feel like you just want to lock in some time with the Lord, I encourage you as we worship, just Take some time before you take off. If you need to slip out, you are dismissed. But I want to encourage you to take some time this morning, just quiet your heart and say, Lord, you know where I am in prayer. And maybe you do pray, but if you're honest, you'd say, but, you know, it's kind of become duty. It's kind of become formal. And maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, I just want to restore that first love. I just want to get back to not worrying about time. It might be five minutes. It might be an hour. But you're just coming to spend time with me, to talk, to hear my voice be led by me in a deliberate way. The Lord wants to restore that to us as well. So just take some time this morning in worship before you slip out, if you would, just to make sure you've kind of heard from the Holy Spirit of what it is he's speaking to you when it comes to prayer, or as I say, what it means to really just sit with Jesus, to sit with Jesus.
and to talk with him. Amen. Let me pray for you. And then again, if you need to slip out, you're welcome. But we're just going to worship for a few moments. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And as your ministry, you delight to do, reveal Jesus to us in a fresh new way. Strip away, O God, I pray, all the duty, all the work of things. Restore to us, Lord, the joy of your salvation. And renew our spirits this morning. Lord, to just look forward to being with you. Thank you for the time we've had here today just to experience your presence again and remind us, Lord, that you want this for us every single day as we walk with you. And so we bless you. Let your word remain in our heart, I pray, and continue to grow us individually and as a congregation to possess all that you have for us. In your precious name, amen. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to get the sermon as soon as it's released. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. For live streams and other videos, check out the GT Moncton YouTube channel and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's going on. God bless.